It was that silent night when the stars turned their gaze to marvel at the earth. When the heavens gathered breathless round a lowly stable. When a young mother wept tears of worship, falling on the baby in her arms. And the song of the earth arose in Bethlehem, soft as the tender beating of his heart. And all was calm, all was bright. Yet could this be the same God of Abraham, the conqueror of Israel, this baby, this fragile life? Is this child the one who burned his name in rapture across the gasping skies? Whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms? Who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament? Whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts? Who breathed life from dust? Broke the oppressor's rule? Scattered the chains of his people like sand? And led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame? Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with a roaring wind? Stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might. Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king, setting his throne on straw and manger, drawing forth the tears of shepherds, receiving the gifts of wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus, the one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts, who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury, God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need, until all we see is him.
Now I'm on. Thank you. Leave it to the preacher to break the technology. All right, do I need to start over? Could y'all hear me? According to my family, I am the boisterous one, so I'm sure you all could hear me live stream. I do apologize. However, like I said, we must not forget why he was sent. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to put a damper on our celebration because that's what we're doing today. However, can I put a damper on it for just a minute? We need to remember why Jesus was sent, and he was sent because of our fallen state. He was sent, I don't like to use the word mistake, I never do. He was sent, listen to me, because of our choice to sin. We made, a, we made a choice. We chose to step away from God. We chose sin over our relationship with him. And because of that, he had to be sent. I don't, like I said, I don't want to put a damper on our time of celebration. I really don't. But Although we get to celebrate today, we must never forget the reason as to why we are celebrating. We are celebrating because Jesus was sent. And why was he sent? Well, he was sent because we made a choice. We made a very, very poor choice, which eternally damned humanity to death. Wow, pastor, this is the first Sunday of Christmas. That's kind of depressing, isn't it? But it's true. We were created. I want you guys to know this. We were created to be in union with God. Did you guys know that? God, God did not put us on earth to say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make bad decisions and do bad things so I never get to be with you again. That, that's not why we were created. We were actually created to be in union with God. And Adam was created. He actually got to, to walk with God. Think about how amazing that would have been to be in the garden and actually get to converse with God and get to, get to walk with him. You see, God created us, and he put us into this beautiful garden, free to roam, free to eat whatever fruit we wanted and whatever food we desired and to go where we wanted to go. We were free to enjoy God's amazing creation. Humanity was able to be with God I just want us to think about that for a minute, what that would be like to be in the, the original creation, to be in that, that garden and just walking with God. And I wonder what they spoke about. You guys ever think about that? When Adam, when Adam and God got to, to go through the trails and, and talking, I just, I would, wouldn't you guys want to be there? And just to hear that conversation, just to walk behind them listening. To be in that amazing garden. That's why we were created. And God, he told us, he said, don't do one thing. That's all I ask. You, you get to roam. You get to see the trees. You get to, you, Adam, you even get to name the animals. You get to walk with me, talk with me. You get to do everything that you, you have freedom in this garden. But I ask, one thing. Don't do that. And what did they do? It, it, it's like, those of you who are parents know what I'm talking about. It's like when you tell your child, no, don't do it. What do they do for the rest of the day? They sit there on the edge of their seat. I got to do it. No, you don't. But really, I do got to do it. No, you don't. Don't do it. Why do we tell them not to do it, parents? Because we're mean, right? Those of us who are parents, we are just mean people, aren't we? No, we do it for what? Their safety, their protection, and their best interest in mind. And God knew. He said, don't, please don't do that one thing. 
because I'm trying to protect you. I created you to be with me, but you, got, you can't do this one thing. And in Genesis chapter 2, it says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Parents, why, why do we do it? For the best interest of our kids, right? Don't touch the hot stove. The other day, my wife was making soup, and my daughter walked in. Her hair went right across the stove, and I grabbed her head, and I pulled her back. And she's like, why'd you hurt me, Daddy? Because your hair was about to catch fire. To her, I was being mean. I, I got a big hand. She's got a little head, and I just yanked her back. I'm like, best interest, but to her, I was being mean. And God said, don't do that one thing. Was he being mean? No, why? Why did he say, don't eat from it? Because you will certainly die. But what did we do, church? We do what humans always do. We ate from the tree. We said, you know what? That serpent makes more sense than God does. And we made a choice. And I know us men like to say, well, it's the woman's fault. No, men, it's humanity's fault. We all made the choice. Then from that day forward, humanity was in desperate need of a savior to be sent. Because, and I, and I want you guys to know this, we cannot save ourselves, period. And humanity could not save them. We, we, there's nothing that we could do. We were on a path straight to hell. We were on a path to death. And we couldn't save ourselves. And because of that, a savior had to be sent to save us from eternal damnation. And we see this in the book of Isaiah. So like I said, if you have your Bibles, go to Isaiah chapter 64. And I want to read verse 1 to you. Listen to what it says. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He said, please, Lord, please come down to us. Father, we need you. You see, this was Isaiah's plea. This was the prophet Isaiah's begging. He was pleading to God to come and save us. Isaiah sees the devastation of humanity. He sees the state that humanity is in. He saw the chaos that we cause. He knows the effect of sin. He knows that only God can save us. So he says, if you would, please just rend the heavens and come to us. Father, God, please come to us. And church, if we're honest, how many of us have had that be our heart's prayer in the same way? Where we say, God, just come back already. God, come down to us. Because we see the chaos, don't we, church? Yeah? We look around the world, we see it. We see the horrors and, and the mess that we can cause, right? I mean, we, we see the devastation humanity can cause. I mean, if we think back to our own lives, I'm not going to ask anyone to testify on that. But think about the mess that I can make, the things that I can do, the people I can hurt. And then we look at humanity in general, and we, we see the wars, we see the, the poverty, we see what they call the modern-day slavery, the sex trafficking, the human trafficking. Then we see homelessness, and we see homeless veterans, people who, who have fought for us to have freedom, yet we just abandon them on the streets. And then we see report after report where students and children, just, listen, our babies are taking their own lives. And we see the horrors of this world, and then we see people who are just out on a jog get murdered. Every day, innocent lives are taken. And often we, we long for God to break into this broken world and set things right, don't we, church? Lord, where are you? Step in and save us. I mean, we're seeing the sanctity. We, we see the sanctity of marriage completely destroyed. Every day, babies are being murdered. And how often we yearn to see God come and to save us. 
to step in, to bring, to come into this chaos and to reign in his peace. We say, Lord, please just come. Church, do you want to see God cleanse this place? Do we honestly want to see that? God, to come in and just completely cleanse us? Is your heart like mine? Do you long for God to heal us? I mean, we've all prayed the prayer, haven't we? Come and make it right, Lord. Step in and do something about this mess. How many of us have ever prayed that prayer before? God, come in and just cleanse this place. But like I said, there's the, there's the damper for the day. Because what I want to do now is there's the bad news. But what I want to do now is I want to give you guys the hope. Here's the hope in the chaos. Our prayer, listen to me, our prayer has already been answered, church. Did you know that? The victory has already been won. He, it has been answered in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus being sent. This is the answer to our prayer. And listen to me when I tell you this. It is our choice. It's our choice, church, whether we accept him or not. He's the answer, and we have to choose it. He's already been sent. He's already stepped into our world and said, I did not come to condemn you, but I came to save you. And so the question then is, what am I going to choose? Am I going to choose him or not? Let me show you how I know that he was sent. Go to Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 3. And I lost my place. I'm messing up all over the place today, guys. That's all right. Here it is, Isaiah chapter 64. Verses 1 through 3 are what we're going to read. It says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As the fire sets twigs ablaze and calls water to boil, Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Verse three, for when you did awesome things that we did not expect, listen, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. It says you came down and the mountains trembled before you. If you have your notes, go ahead and get them out. They're in the bulletin. Here's what you need to know, church. In sending Jesus... God comes down. Amen. That's what happened in the Advent season. When he sent Jesus, when God said, I need you to go, son. God the Father said, I need you to go, son. And Jesus said, I'm going. In sending Jesus, God comes down. Hallelujah, right, church? There's the hope. I gave you the bad news. There's the good news. In sending Jesus, God comes down. You see, Advent is a season of intentional waiting. Who remembers with me? The, the Sears or JCPenney catalogs that would get sent out right around Thanksgiving time. Who, raise your hand if you remember that. All right, children and, and young adults, this was before Amazon, all right? I was, in, I, was, I was one of the last ones of that generation that got that. See, what would happen was my mom would go get the mail, and, and we lived out in the country, and she had to walk down the trail, and I would sit at the door, and I'd wait on her because I knew it was that time of year. And in the middle of the mail would be this thing called a Sears Christmas catalog or a JCPenney Christmas catalog, and I would yank the mail out of my mom's hand. She goes, hold on now. I said, no, I want it. And I would grab that Christmas catalog, and I'd go sit on the couch. I'd lay on my belly, and guess what I would do? All of y'all did it too. 
we sat there and we circled the toys and the gifts that we wanted. And we sa- I sat there for hours. I'm like, do I want that G.I. Joe? Do I want that Tonka toy? Do I want this? And we, I read through that probably a thousand times. I had it memorized. I can still see it, right? And then what I would do is I'd look at the, the, the price and I would scratch the price out and then circle the gift. I'm like, don't worry about the price, mom and dad. I just want this gift, all right? And, I, and I, would, I, would, I would study that and know exactly what I wanted, and I would circle it and circle it and circle it, and I, and I earmarked the pages, and my mom said, well, why isn't the underwear? Don't worry about the underwear. I want the toys, all right? I don't want that, I don't want that ugly sweater. I want the toy. And I would, I would circle all that stuff, and then I would close it, and I would take it back to my mom, and I'd give it to her. And she'd take it, and then the waiting began. Oh, that well, you guys remember that waiting, don't you? See, see we, didn't ha- we, we weren't able to, to creep into mom and dad's Amazon cart. All right, we actually had to wait. But some of us, if you're, if you're like me, you would creep. But a lot of others who try to go to mom and dad's closet or the attic, try to find the gifts. Who else did that? Come on, I know some of you did. Yeah, all right. <laughs> However, if your mom was like mine, she did a really good job of hiding it. And so the waiting would begin. And we would wait. And then we'd see it December 1st. All right. December 2nd, I'm still waiting. And we would wait, and we would wait, and we would wait for Christmas morning. And sometimes, if, if you really think about it, that waiting, it can be tough, right? Especially, see, that, that, that's the fun waiting, that, that intentional waiting for that gift. And then, and then you see that gift underneath the tree, and then, oh, my waiting, I got to just wait just a little bit more. But then there's other types of waiting that's a little bit harder, right? That waiting for release or that waiting for healing. I have this illness and I've prayed and prayed, now I gotta wait. Or that, that waiting for that financial relief. Lord, you, you see the bank account's empty and you see the bills are due. Lord, I, I need this financial relief. That waiting's, that's a little bit tougher, isn't it? Now think about this for a second. Think about the waiting of Israel. Hundreds of years they were promised a Messiah. They were promised a king. God's coming. You just have to wait. There was a story about waiting that came out of World War I. It was a young man, he told told of his experience in the First World War, and he said that he was in the lost battalion They were cut off from the main part of the army, and all around them were the enemy. And as the days went by, their food and their water completely gave out, and their ammo was running short. And every once in a while, an enemy soldier would run up to their line and say, surrender. And they would run back as they fought him back. But then it happened one day. They had one shell left for their artillery cannon. Ammo was completely depleted. And so they said, instead of firing it at the enemy, knowing that that one shell may not make a major difference, they decided to use it as a signal. And so that, that night, they pointed the cannon straight up in the air, and they said, we're going to fire it into the air, hoping and waiting that an American army will be able to see it. And so they fired, and then they prayed, and they hoped that the American line would see it. And then it happened. The very next morning, an airplane flew over dropping canteens, dropping bread, dropping some ammo, and a note that says, hold on, we're coming. Hold on, we're coming. And so for several days they waited, and then they kept getting this note, hold on, we're coming. They would fight and fight and fight, and then the note kept coming, hold on, 
were coming until they were completely exhausted one day. And then they heard the cannons roaring. And then they saw the army, the American army, bust through the line. And their waiting was over. And they were saved. You see, as we as Christians in our fallen state, we were being told, surrender to the world. The enemy would come up to us, surrender, surrender. But God sent his message, hold on, I'm coming. Hold on, I'm coming. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the Advent season is about. It's about the hope of that intentional waiting, the longing for the arrival of the promised Messiah. And today, we remember that waiting. We remember that hope. We recall the longing for the humanity for a Savior, the longing of Israel for a true King, the longing of every heart for healing. And it's in that waiting that we marvel at the mystery of how God fulfilled that longing. Amen, church? It's in the incarnation that God became flesh and lived among us. He stepped into creation, into our brokenness, and he enters our pain. And that is the thrill of Advent. In sending Jesus, God came down. Hallelujah, church. But it doesn't stop there. Isaiah chapter 4 says, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. So in sending Jesus, God comes down. Then in sending Jesus, God reveals himself. It's a revelation. We see God in Jesus. He was 100% man and 100% God. You see, after I would give my mom that, that catalog, I would wait, and then my mom would wrap the presents, and she would put them under the Christmas tree, and I would sit, and I would stare at them. And if you're like me, you'd also, when she wasn't looking, because my mom has this way of, you, 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 you moms in here have this way of wrapping Christmas presents that's perfect. I don't know how you do it. I tried my hardest, and I still to this day cannot wrap gifts like my mom. And I swear she did that so she would know if there's any crease, wrinkle, or mess up that I was messing with it. I swear to this day that's why she does it. All right? So what I would do is when she was in the kitchen cooking or going to bed, I'd take it out, shake it as hard as I could because I was going to figure it out. Who did that? Come on now, I know. The question is, who still does that? I do. Ashley, Ashley looks at me, don't touch the gifts. And I'm over there, I'm 30 years old, I'm shaking the gift. However, we w I would wait and wait and wait, and then Christmas morning came, and I'd get to open it up. It's the revelation of what the gift was. How, how exciting is Christmas morning, ladies and gentlemen? It's exciting, isn't it? Well, the revelation, the ultimate gift, is the amazing thing about Christmas. It is God revealing who he is through Jesus Christ. And amazingly, throughout history, God has revealed himself and his people, revealed himself to his people through different things. He shows us his heart and his character through the beauty of creation, the covenants and the law, the tent and the temple, the miraculous acts of power, the powerful words of the prophets. But in Advent, he does the unthinkable. He does an amazing thing. He shows us himself. He shows us who he is. The gift is revealed. The waiting is over. And so church, if people are like, what's God like? Well, if you want to know what God is like, read the Gospels. You see what God's like through Jesus Christ. If you want to know how God acts, look to Jesus. That's how God acts. In love, in compassion, in grace. Walking with the sinners. That's how God acts. If you want to know how God loves, look at Jesus. 
He loved us so much that he said, I am going to go to the cross for them. So if you want to know how God loves, just look at Jesus. Read his story. Accept him into your heart. You said, it said, in, it, since ancient times, no, no eye has seen any God besides you. Yet not even the prophet himself could have anticipated the hope that was getting ready to be revealed in sending Jesus. God reveals himself like never before. Jesus is the full revelation of God's character, his will, and his heart. That is what Advent's about, church. It's hope revealed. So in sending Jesus, God comes down. He reveals who he is to us. And thirdly, let's read verses five through nine together. You come to help, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved, he says. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls, you, calls on your name or strives to lay hold of, of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. Listen to verse 8, church. We are like clay, and you, you are the potter, and we are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O oh Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Listen to me, church. In sending Jesus, God comes down. And in sending Jesus, God reveals himself to us. And here is the hope of all hopes. Listen to me. In sending Jesus, God restores us. Amen, church. God restores us. It is the stirring and thrilling to recall the hope of Advent. Jesus sent to us coming down, revealing himself in flesh. And we see in verses 5 through 9 of this passage that Isaiah reminds us of just the chilling clarity of why we needed Advent in the first place. It's an exciting celebration, right? We love this stuff. It's, it's so exciting. But we have to remember why we needed it. Because we were living in filth. We were living in sin. We needed God to come because of our slavery to sin, our persistent failure, our cursed disobedience. All of these things continue to condemn us. He says, even our righteous acts. He says, even we were, we were so bad that, that even when we did good, we were still like filthy rags. Look what he said. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our, our sins sweep us away. But then it happened. Jesus came to restore us. Amen. He says, do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. This is, this is Isaiah's prayer. He's praying to God right now. He says, don't be angry beyond measure. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. In church, in Jesus, we see that God set on answering this prayer through restoration and healing. And sending Jesus, God restores us. He comes down, reveals himself, all for the purpose of bringing us back to him. Amen. You see, because of the sin-broken reality of our world, we often find ourselves crying out to God to do something. We say, Lord, fix us, intervene, set things right, 
We want him to reveal himself and to bring the scattered lost back to him. But we have to remember he already did that. That's why we celebrate Advent. In sending Jesus, God comes down, reveals himself, and restores us. He doesn't only send a sign, a message, or a servant. He sent his son to come and claim his crown as rightful king. Amen, church. And so this Christmas season, what I want to do as our worship team comes to lead us in song again, I want to encourage you all to embrace Jesus as Christ and Lord in your life. As we begin the journey to the manger, I want you to prepare your hearts as we head towards his throne. So this Christmas season, this Advent season, let us remember why Jesus came and why God the Father sent his son. He comes down, we see that God is revealed, and he came to restore us. Amen, church. Stand your feet with us again as we head into song.
Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you are our hope. And today we celebrate that. And as we continue into the Advent season, Lord, I pray that you fill us with all of your joy, peace, mercy, and grace. And as we leave here today, Lord, help us to be the salt and light in our communities and to be able to pass that love and joy. And it's in your glorious and holy name that we pray this. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you tonight.